former President Donald Trump uh, got closer to the Republican presidential nomination today, defeating his lone remaining rival, U.S. Ambassador Nikki Haley, in New Hampshire's primary. So in doing so, Trump put one of the final pieces in place for a long-anticipated rematch with Joe Biden in November. Richard Holt, who is a political consultant and elected member of the Clark County, Ohio Republican Central Committee is here. And Christopher Walton, a returning guest, is a former chair of the Milwaukee Democratic Party. Welcome, gentlemen. Welcome, Rich. Welcome, Chris. No surprises. It's what, uh, 8.15 on the East Coast and all the major uh, news outlets, NBC News, Associated Press. Chris, they are all calling this race for Donald Trump. What happened to Nikki Haley's plan to consolidate the anti-Trump vote, independents, and those 4,000 Democrats that re-registered as independents in order to vote for her? That's a great question. That's a very <laughs> great question. I, um, I, I'd like to know, too, myself, honestly. I'd like to see what the final result is. But well, one thing we do know uh, from this New Hampshire primary this evening, President Joe Biden despite not even being on the ballot, was also has won his first New Hampshire primary after running for president four times. He ran and won and didn't even have to get on the ballot to win it. Well, hooray and congratulations. Thank you for that uh, news flash. Breaking news. Let me just go back and say some more breaking news. Joe Biden has also won in New Hampshire today. And as Chris reminded us, he wasn't officially on the ballot because New Hampshire was having a temper tantrum because the Democratic Party decided to make its first nominating contest South Carolina. All right, Joe Biden, you go, boy. All right, thank you, Chris, for sharing that. I, I missed that news. I'm, I, that's why I have smart people on like you. Keep me uh, in the know. All right, Chris, so you don't know what happened to Nikki, but you know our guy won. All right, right. <laughs> Rich, maybe you know. What, what happened to Nikki's strategy? We have Richard. Okay, we're, we're hoping to get his audio. We're having a little difficulty with his audio. It sounds uh, just like Nikki's strategy. I know. <laughs> Let's talk about what happens now. So, Chris, we've seen pretty much every last one of these uh, candidates that mm -hmm. have lost. And by that, I mean Ron DeSantis, Vivek Ramaswamy, Tim Scott. When they lose, they suspend their campaign and they pretty much immediately endorse Donald Trump, despite how horrible uh, Donald Trump is to them, no matter how many names he calls them, how he humiliates, and in the case of Ron DeSantis, emasculates them on the campaign trail. He, they still turn around and endorse him. What are you expecting Nikki Haley to do? The same. Wow. <laughs> the exact same. They all do the exact same. They all get just completely and totally annihilated, disrespected. The people who support them, they get disrespected. And yet they all kowtow and shuck and jive in Tim Scott's case and kiss the ring. This is what it is to be expected of the Trump Republican Party. And something you can really look at the voters, the voters decided they didn't want diet Trump. They wanted full-blown Donald Trump. And so I have no expectations for, honestly, any of these people. I really don't respect many of them because how can you allow somebody to talk to you like this, treat you like this, and you still 
get right back behind them and go, okay, well, that's it's all good. It's all fine and well and dandy. I support him. I think he's fit to be president. This man who can't even decide whether it's Nancy Pelosi or Nikki Haley, you want him to be representing you as the Republican nominee? What I say to that, bring it on. We were going to see New Hampshire go blue again this November because as we just saw from some of these exit polls in a Republican primary, 67% of Republicans believe we should restore the rights of Roe in the United States of America and don't support a national, a federal ban on abortion. So if that's what the Republicans want to run on and they want to run on with the guy who actually put, who got rid of Roe. Bragged about it, bragged about it recently on Fox News, said I'm proud to be the president that appointed the Supreme Court justices that overturned Roe v. Wade. And we're going to be proud to make sure he never steps foot in the White House again. No, absolutely. And that's great. And that's some of that exit polling that is important because a lot of people are seeing these uh, primaries. They're looking at these wins that Donald Trump you know, is racking up, as he should. And they're extrapolating from his wins in these small, mostly white states that this is somehow translates to what we're going to see in the general election. It's so important for people not to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, not to take away more from these races than what these races represent. And Ottawa in particular, Chris, you know, it was such a small turnout. The weather was horrible. You know, the caucusing process itself, you know, is, is fraught with problems. But the anti-Trump vote, those who did not vote for Trump, was quite significant. That I don't think that gets nearly enough attention in the media. 49% of Iowa did not want Donald Trump to be the nominee. And from what we're doing right now... When we're looking at the results so right let's now, let's be clear that's 49 of, of Republicans in yes. Iowa. 49 percent of Iowa Republicans do not want Donald Trump to be the nominee. From what we're looking at right now, about 46 47 percent of New Hampshire Republicans don't want Donald Trump to be the nominee. I welcome you all this November if you want to fight for democracy, if you want to stand for the right to reproductive freedom, if you believe in a democratic government that is responsive and responsible, this November vote for Joe Biden. Otherwise, you know what we're going to look at from the previous four years. You know exactly what things are going to look like. A clown show. Everywhere this man goes, as Nikki Haley said, he brings chaos. We don't need four more years of chaos. We don't need four more years of worrying every single day when we wake up whether this guy has actually touched the nuclear weapons. All right, Rich has joined us. All right, Rich, we're just going all in on your Republican Party to see. We knew you were dark, so we just got it all out before you got on here. But thank you. And <laughs> okay, you got your sure. technology together. Uh, I'm going to ask you what I asked Chris. What happened to Nikki Haley's strategy in New Hampshire? She was trying to consolidate the anti-Trump vote, the independents, and you know that handful of Democrats who were going to vote for her just so that they could help her defeat Trump. Didn't work. Uh, you know, what do you mean? No, of course not. Okay, so here's what happens with, with Trump that always surprises people. It's the people you don't count on showing up that arrive to vote. And that's what makes the biggest difference. People, people are always counting on the established voter. They're counting on the people that typically the last two or three election cycles have been there. And those are the people that, that they count on. They weren't counting on uh, in 2016 when we were taking a look at who was going to come out to vote. You had everybody courting the usual Republicans. And at every single event held by a Republican, you had the usual people, the usual evangelicals. You had the, the usual country folks, the usual Second Amendment people. But I went to a Trump event in north of Columbus in Ohio. And what did we have? We had the cement worker. We had the truck driver, guys that would never have shown up 
for any event held by any of our usual candidates. They came out for Trump. They saw him as the real deal. And that's that's what happened in New Hampshire, just like it, it happens with every one of his primaries and elections. We get people that we don't count on and don't look at or think are statistically not likely to turn out to vote. So why talk to them? And then they all show up. But Rich, uh, Chris just gave us a very important stat. I don't know if you've been able to see the exit polls out of New Hampshire. Uh, Chris just said that it's about 46 or 47 percent of the Republican vote out of New Hampshire, Chris, was an anti-Trump vote. It's going for Nikki Haley or DeSantis or whoever name else is on the ballot other than Donald Trump. That suggests, Rich, that you may have a problem in the Republican uh, general election. 46 or 47 percent out of New Hampshire, that number is as high as 49 percent anti-Trump mm -hmm. vote in Iowa uh, amongst Republicans for Trump. Uh is that going to be a problem for Trump in the general election? Would yeah, the, the fact that so many primary opponents even enter the race is a sign of troubles, because I think you're going to find that a majority of Americans uh, just aren't behind him. And the same can be said probably of Biden as well. Uh, he started to see people emerge as primaries and a Democrat rigged it for him. We kept our, these Republicans continue to stay in until today, <laughs> right? And uh, as a sign, because if you, once you divvy out that vote that went against him, I haven't seen the numbers yet, but once you see it, you may end up seeing that a majority of Republican voters didn't come out for him. And I think what these candidates were trying to do was to be a viable alternative that stuck to classic conservatism, small government, the principles that got him elected to begin with. And we're trying to show that they could just they could do the same thing, but we could do it without the drama of Trump. And I think uh, none of them really were able to pull it out. Well, wait a minute. You said you use the word rig and I saw Chris's face like mm -hmm. a shade of red or pink or something. Uh, <laughs> right. what, what are you thinking, Chris, when he said that the Democrats rigged our primary? I'm trying to figure that out myself. In what way did we, you know, the Republicans like to say we rig elections. Uh, we've seen. Oh, OK. Yeah, I was specifically referring to the primary uh, when Kennedy tried to get on the ballot in New Hampshire, for example, uh, or tried to work with the Democratic Party. They 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 tried to to make it more difficult for him to participate. Democrats made it so difficult too diff so difficult for Kennedy to end up running as an independent. And that's what I was referring to. We so I don't know the minutiae and the details of uh, but parties are supposed to. Okay, you made the state of New Hampshire, which is completely Republican controlled process, too hard for Kennedy to run. Well, you know what? I think that is true. I think that is true. There are tactics being put in place from the Republican trifectas causing more voter suppression. So you can't get people on the ballot. You can't register people to vote as easily. So, yes, I, I will stand with you there. The Republicans who control New Hampshire, they did make it a lot more difficult to get on the ballot. Joe Biden wasn't even on the ballot in this uh, New Hampshire Democratic primary. But I would like to see, and I, hopefully you will agree with me, that we can work together to get rid of a lot of these voter suppressive tactics, actually bring in more early voting, allow people to do mail-in voting, and work together to make the ballot process a lot easier. And well, Rich, I certainly understand. Hold on a second, Rich. Be careful before you start uh, pointing the finger about rigging, because you know the Republican Party has rigged the nominating process, the delegate process, to basically make it made a pathway for Donald Trump to win the election. And Donald Trump has been pressuring all of those candidates that you say were so freely allowed into the primary to get out of the primary so that he could start his general election campaign against Joe Biden. So I don't think we want to get into finger pointing about these political parties because they're probably 
uh, no clean hands to be found. Uh, when you start talking about political parties, they all are doing what's uh, in their best interest to get their candidates advanced. And in the case of what Chris said, what the Democrats aren't doing, we aren't suppressing the vote. We aren't trying to prevent people from voting. We want everyone who is qualified to vote to vote. Republicans, on the other hand, have engaged in all kinds of gerrymandering and other tactics to make it more difficult for people to vote. But I do want to ask you, Rich, before we have to go to break, about Nikki Haley. Sure. She's got yeah. Nevada's coming up before South Carolina. I don't think she's contesting in Nevada. Is she going to stay in, in your opinion, through trying to make it to South Carolina? Because she's not polling above Trump either in her home state of South Carolina. What do you predict she does now? Oh, my prediction would be to hang out for Super Tuesday because you never know. And she could try to pull her message together. She's got plenty of fundraising. There's a lot of people that are still supporting her campaign and they, they might try to pull it off on Super Tuesday and go all in on that day. I, that would not surprise me. Hmm, interesting. What do you think, Chris? You think she hangs around to try to get to her own state? She can get to her home state. She can get to his home state. She can get to my home state. We know how this story is going to end for her. Mm -hmm. And I encourage her to stay in as long as she can. Have fun. Keep the process going. I enjoy watching Republicans fight. Yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, Rich. I don't know. Uh, Ron DeSantis told us he was going to stay around and he wasn't going anywhere, that he wanted to be in this race in case something happened to Donald Trump. He would be there to swoop in uh, even at the summer <laughs> at the uh, convention. Do you right. think he can hang around to the summertime, to the convention, to wait to see what happens with one of these criminal trials? Because we know the majority of Americans, <laughs> right. if Trump gets convicted, you know, it's lights out for him. Yeah, I, I think maybe they'll try to hang out in hopes. It's kind of desperate and sad and kind of pathetic at this point, I think. I remember Kasich wouldn't go away either. And then he eventually threw a temper tantrum and didn't come to the convention in his own state. So I, I can see Haley sticking around, especially when you have uh, you know all the other candidates that were running against Trump, with the exception of Vivek. They were the same candidate. The same boring story, the same globalist ideas, the same let's wage war endlessly around the world. They were the same candidates. Flipping down the one, just Nikki Haley, isn't really that much of a change. I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing all this going on in Milwaukee. Yeah, mm. I want to talk about running mates. Trump has been flirting with who he might pick as a running mate. He, one of the interviews he did on Fox, he says he's already made up his mind. We know Tim Scott rushed to get engaged to some woman he says he's been dating, trying to improve his likability factor, I guess, with the Christian right. right. Hmm. Uh, Elise Stefanik thinks if she screams at Black women on TV, that makes her uh, someone that might be considered a VP candidate for Trump. So when we come forward, I want to talk about who you think might really be on the short list for VP and what is this rematch between Trump and Biden going to look like? Stay with us. KBLA Talk 1580. You're listening to Ariva Martin in real time on KBLA Talk 1580. We are back, and today it's all about the New Hampshire primary. In case you missed the news, Donald Trump swept Nikki Haley and for some may have ended any hopes that she had of becoming the nominee for president uh, on the GOP side. And there are questions about whether she remains in the race or if this is lights out for Nikki Haley. And like so many of the other candidates who've had to bow out, Will Nikki Haley endorse Donald Trump? Now, Donald Trump wants to turn his attention to the general election. He doesn't want to think about Nikki Haley in Nevada or South Carolina or any of these states. In his mind, this is 
his opportunity to start really turning towards Joe Biden in the general election. And uh, Richard, Richard Holt is here and uh, Christopher Walton are joining, two veteran strategists, uh, political strategists. So Richard, let's talk about VP choices. Now, Donald Trump said in a Fox interview two, three, four weeks ago that he'd already made up his mind. We know that Tim Scott is purportedly on some short list. Uh, we've heard uh -huh. names like Elise Stefanik. We've heard Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Uh, what are you hearing in your Republican circles about who might really be on the short list for VP for Donald Trump? Uh, people have talked a lot about Tim Scott. Um, that's the name I've heard the most, but I don't know if it's necessarily the smartest name. I, he He's an excellent policymaker and a great senator, but he dropped out of the campaign way early because of a lack of traction. And I don't know if he, if he brings those audiences back to the ticket that we would want him to bring. And so I would probably say he's, I'm sure he's on the list because maybe there's some numbers that I haven't looked at, hence his moves recently. Vivek would also be worth looking at for sure uh, because he models so many of Trump's positions. And, and those would be two that I can think of right off the bat that would be immediately on the list for sure. So those names are strange to Chris and I, Rich, primarily because mm -hmm. Republicans have a race problem. Uh, oh, they, yeah, they do. So why do you think Republicans who have a race issue would like to see someone like Tim Scott or Vivek Ramaswamy number two in the White House, which means that if something happened to Donald Trump, who's not in the best of health, who happens to be of the same age as Joe Biden, folks are worried about Joe Biden, you know, peeling over and dying. They'd have to have those same concerns about Donald Trump. Why would Republicans vote or want to have a person of color as their number two on the ticket? Republicans care most about issues. And the, <laughs> the, the right. Okay. Well, think of it this way. Every, every time Donald Trump said something really stupid and you said, Hey, Republican person, I know, why do you still support that guy? They say, well, you know, his policies. That's the default answer. And the truth is that most Republicans, especially white Republicans that you think are a bunch of racists, really do want to see a party that looks like America. And they see in that party the opportunity to have Tim Scott or somebody like Vivek on the, on the ticket. They would jump at the chance. I think they would be excited about it. The question I have would Black America be excited about this as well? And that's the question. And I think that's a difficult thing to answer. So, will Blacks be well? Will would Black candidates be welcome, or an Indian candidate be welcome? Absolutely. The question is, will will Black America be swayed enough? Fifteen percent, twenty percent in some places, enough to bring the take to bring to bring home a win. And that's the question I would uh, I would have it. And because Republicans have such a difficult time talking about race, you know, because they tend to go for denying it's real. Uh, Nikki Haley is a perfect example of this when she gives stories about the racism she's encountered. And she's like, yeah, but America's not racist, <laughs> you know, after giving 10 examples of racism she's encountered. And so if if we go the other way, which I don't think they'll do. But if they went the other way and said, yes, we've had obstacles, we've overcome it, we as a party recognize we want to do something to help, then maybe. But I just don't see them doing that. Okay, Chris, respond to that. Honestly, there's not really much to add. It's true. The Republican yeah. Party isn't no, exactly... No, no, no. What's true? It's true that Blacks would be the, the problem here, that we would have a problem voting for a ticket that had a Black person on it? 
Rich just essentially never... said that black folks would be the problem and totally glossed over and denied the reality of the racism amongst white folks in the Republican Party. You're not agreeing with that, are you? That I don't agree with. But I do agree that um, black people are generally not going to vote for Tim Scott. Well, it's not because he's black. We're no, it's not, not going to because we don't see mm -hmm. him as a great senator. As Rich said, we see him as a complete buffoon. We've had our Clarence Thomas experience. We don't need Tim Scott. We don't want Tim Scott. We're not sure Tim Scott likes Tim Scott. But what we do know is that just putting a black face, which would literally be Tim Scott, putting black face on the ticket would not be a way to get the black vote. I can assure and I you. I don't think it would be the way to get most of the white Republican vote. I don't see where this evidence is, Rich, that white people want the party to reflect America. If they wanted the party to reflect America, there would be more women, there'd be more Blacks, there'd be more Latinos, there'd be more Asians, there'd be more people of color in the Republican Party, in leadership positions, in elected House positions, at, both at the state level and the national level. You know, I remember when I first got started in this 20 years ago. We had something called the National Black Republican Association. It was a nice project. We we did our best to try to get um, black candidates elected, and it was challenging. There's a lot of obstacles that go to getting candidates up and wanting to run for office. First, we have the demographics. What what's the demographic of a Republican voter? The demographic is typically suburban or rural places where we don't have mathematically a lot of black people. And we're starting to see a shift and we're seeing more elected black people come into our party because we're starting to have, because upliftment of black people has gone better, it has been stronger and has put black people in a better position economically and so forth. We're starting to see more people move into the party. When you go to Capitol Hill, you know, we, these aren't elected officials. But when you go to Capitol Hill and you stop in offices, you're going to see a lot of dark faces in Republican offices. We have black chiefs of staff. We have people working for us in think tanks in the conservative movement. We, there's a lot of black people involved in, in that part of things. We have more, arguably, than the Democrats do on Capitol Hill, on Capitol Hill. Um, so we we are making gains where we can, but you're right. We haven't had the demographics, and we we've lost the black vote because I don't think that they trust us, and I and we haven't given them a reason to. When you've got unarmed black men getting shot, and the NRA is silent when it was a legal gun owner who had a license to carry a firearm, <laughs> right? Uh, and they're silent. It makes it it makes it difficult for us. And so you're right. We can't ignore the problems that we have. Uh, and the solutions have not been to, the solutions to this since I got started 20 years ago, it's completely changed. It's completely changed. Now, instead of looking at a black candidate and saying, oh, whatever, <laughs> you know, which is what I was getting 20 years ago, now, when I talk to a state chairman or a county chairman and say, hey, I got this candidate. He's black. It's a predominantly white area. How do you guys feel about it? Oh, that's great. Bring him. Give me, give me money now. You know, there's there's excitement. So there's been a huge change since I got started. A huge that's change. That's interesting to hear you say that, Rich. I was going to ask you, so you feel more comfortable in the Republican Party today than you felt 20 years ago. You feel more, oh, more Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And it wasn't the typical voters that were the problem. It was the establishment that was the problem. Uh, typical white voters typically don't care. They just want you to leave their pocketbook alone. Don't take away their guns. They'll vote for a clown if you promise to do that. So it was never about them voting for a person of color. It was having one to vote for. That was a problem. And when, when it came time to have those people, it was the party, it was the local elites, and it was the establishment that got in the way. Do you see that in Milwaukee, Chris? I know you were party chair in Milwaukee, and Milwaukee is predominantly white state, uh, you know, very few African Americans, you know, percentage wise. What mm -hmm. did you see, or have you seen this evolution that Rich talked about, where more people of color are involved in Republican politics and are being embraced by Republicans? Well, I'll definitely agree with Rich on this one. I, they definitely have proven some of these white voters have definitely proven that they will vote for a clown. That's how we are sitting here about to renominate. <laughs> um, right. The next thing about that is, for as far as Milwaukee, most of our entire state delegation is African-American, uh, minus the our uh, Latino districts. So the city of Milwaukee itself is a minority-majority community. And a lot of the areas around us, we have, we are actually of the assembly, the state assembly, we have more black representation in the Wisconsin State Assembly then we are percentage-wise as a population. So, so we I misspoke. I don't mean Milwaukee. You're right. Milwaukee has a, a black delegation. I meant the state is not. I mean, it's a state where the black population is relatively small, right, statewide. Well, yeah, you know, Wisconsin, you know, we're not exactly known as you know, the bastion of the black community, but we're there. Our mayor is black for the city of Milwaukee. The county executive is black. Our sheriff is black. Like Milwaukee has a lot of black elected officials and leadership. Uh, help. But what do you see when you get outside of the city? That's what I get. Let's talk about that. When you get into other parts of Wisconsin that are not Milwaukee. Right. Well, at that point, well, there's Racine, there's Beloit, uh, the city of Madison. I'll call it all of our college campuses. But yeah, no, once you leave Milwaukee, you are pretty much in Wisconsin. I was just curious if you were seeing these black Republicans running in Wisconsin and being embraced in the way that Rich says he's seen in the Republican Party. Not really. Not seeing it. Okay. Uh, just curious. When we come forward, we we'll to talk about the rematch. Some folks are excited, but a lot of people were hoping uh, to have two different candidates, quite frankly, who would be running uh, in this year's election for president. We're going to get your take on what we can expect in the rematch of 2024. Stay with us, KBLA Talk 1580. We are back. And in case you missed it, Donald Trump has swept New Hampshire, leaving questions about Nikki Haley's future in the Republican primary uh, contest. Is she going to drop out? Is she going to endorse Donald Trump? Will she end up on that short list to potentially be the vice president? She served as a, a UN ambassador under Donald Trump, so we know they have some kind of relationship. She is a female, and one of the big issues in this race uh, Rich is going to be abortion rights. Uh, Chris told us that there is some exit polling that says 67% of New Hampshire voters oppose a federal ban on abortions. And we know the overwhelming number of Americans want to see uh, the rights that women had under Roe v. Wade restored to them. Uh, Donald Trump has said he's proud to be the president that appointed the Supreme Court justices that overturned Roe v. Wade. He's been beating that anti-abortion drum. But that's not a popular message, as we have seen, even in your state, Ohio, uh, where mm -hmm. voters voted to enshrine abortion rights in the Constitution. 
We've seen that happen in other red states where votes in favor of women having the rights to abortion uh, have prevailed. So uh, what is your candidate, and let's call your candidate Donald Trump for all practical uh -huh. purposes, going to do to attract female voters? Because right now he's in a negative with women voters on that issue. Mm -hmm. Yes, he is. And it's it's been a, letting this go back to the states is going to be because the voters are choosing to allow women to have the right to choose. This has always been a local issue. There should have never been federal rules in regards to this at all for because this should have been a decision that was made by by voters and their state legislatures uh, long before Roe v. Wade was overturned. And because of that, uh, because there, because of that, we probably are going to, to see a major movement where we have a lot of Republican legislators running around telling their supporters that they're going to create a federal ban. I just don't see that actually happening in real life. Uh, as far as the campaign perspective goes, however, this is an opportunity for them to hit these lists and say the liberals want to murder your babies and you need to give us money for our campaigns. And that's going to be the extent of this movement to create federal legislation to restrict it. But um, they've tried that, Rich. They've tried that message. Voters are smarter than that. They understand mm -hmm. that a, a, a woman that is six months pregnant and getting an abortion because of health care, because of uh, her health is in danger or the fetus's health is in danger, it's not killing a baby. Voters have rejected that message. That's mm -hmm. not going to win voters over. They have. And I think Trump will do what tip Trump typically does, like politicians typically do, a little bit of doublespeak, a little bit of, I want to keep my voters happy by saying I'm pro-life, but I respect the rights of the states. If he's smart, well, we can't always count on him to to be that smooth. So I don't, I can't say what I think he would say. I can tell you if I was consulting a presidential candidate, that's the advice I would give them. I'd say the local voters have decided, don't screw with this. Say you're pro-life, but you respect the wishes of the voters because this is a local, not a national issue. And the president has to worry about global events. And we got to trust our local voters to do what's best. Well, hopefully, Chris, voters are smarter than that because the right uh, to reproductive freedoms is enshrined in the 14th Amendment, like the rights to marry whom you choose and rights to privacy and so many other rights. So it is a federal issue and should have never, Roe should have never been overturned. Uh, by the Supreme Court, and, and we have the receipts. So Rich just says Trump is going to double speak. We've got the receipts, Chris. We've got the videotape. We've got the audio tape. What are Democrats going to do to make sure voters understand that they cannot trust Donald Trump on the issue of reproductive rights? Well, first and foremost, they can't trust Donald Trump on any issue, full stop. But in regards to reproductive freedom, he's shown time and again who he is. He believes women should be punished for making reproductive choices of their own. He believes that women don't have the right to make those choices. Otherwise, he wouldn't have appointed the people he appointed and be proudly against the right to choose. He has made it very clear, and Maya Angelou has told, the, told us this. When someone shows you who they are, believe them. And there will be no doublespeak from the Democratic side of the ticket. We have made it very clear. Vice President Harris just actually left Wisconsin yesterday, making it very clear where we stand. We want to restore Roe, which is why we need Democrats elected up and down the ballot, be it the House seats in California, House seats in Wisconsin, House seats in Ohio, Senate seats in Ohio, Senate seats all across the country. We need Democrats elected to restore the right to reproductive freedom in the United States. And I think it's really tragic, the fact that you know, Rich and others believe that this isn't a federal issue and that the president is too busy to care about the reproductive rights of the women of this country. 
particularly exactly. since we are more than half of the voters in this country. Exactly. Yes. When someone tells you who they are, believe them. Uh, in the last couple of minutes, Rich, I do want to talk about a couple of other issues. What is Trump's position going to be on a ceasefire? in the, uh, you know, the, the war that's happening. Ah, uh, Ukraine, yes. Well, first, no, the federal Ukraine, government. But let's deal with the Middle East. What is he going to say about, uh, there's a calls for, and I'll ask Chris this as well, calls for a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas, the Israel fighting, or the Israel attacks on Hamas. Oh, I do not know what Donald Trump would do in that scenario. We know when, we, when we're thinking about what foreign affairs needs to look like for the next administration, we have a series of, of things happening. We've got, What's an emerging conflict in the Middle East, as usual, <laughs> right? Then we have uh, we have the war in, between Ukraine and Russia, which America largely instigated. Then we have um, we have a lack of representation in Africa, which is going to be a booming economically and population wise over the course of the century, and it has completely been neglected by our State Department and other officials who need to have a presence there, uh, shepherding, helping to shepherd e economic and political freedom in these regions. And so, what I think would be worthwhile, worth asking about is, and we should be asking the president, what his vision is for the next four years should he become president? Because going in saying, uh, we have a divide in America where we're just, there, some people are so, so absolutely behind Israel that they fail to see the realities of the difficult situation there. And then we have people that are so strongly behind Palestine that they're also failing to see uh, some of the horrible bloodshed that took place as a result. And trying to find a happy, trying to find a medium and decide which way direct, which direction America is going to go in is, is incredibly challenging. Then we have the Muslim countries who are all furious about the genocide that's taking place. What can a president do aside from not send in our forces? And I think that's that's like this is a key moment. We want a leader that's not going to send our kids off to go fight other people's wars, either whether it be in Ukraine or in the Middle East. And I think that's that's okay. going to be the the framework of of Trump's uh of Trump's foreign policy. I think that's as far as he can really go with that at this point. I'm going to step in right here because I have to correct the record very quickly. The fact that you would think that the Ukraine-Russian war was instigated by the United States, an invasion. It was. It was. Russia would you like me to go into it? Oh, yeah. Well, one moment. Okay. Russia right. invaded the Ukraine. That had absolutely nothing to do with the United States. It had Russia everything to do. So Russian troops were commanded by U.S. generals and put into the Ukraine. So when we overthrew that government I just in wanna, 2014. There's no question here. We instigated it. Absolutely. OK, so in regards to President Biden, President Biden has been working to make sure we got to a point where the Israeli government and the Palestinians could actually get a peace situation. He'd been working constantly behind the scenes, working to try and get this situation calmed down. We are seeing situations right now where things are being rolled back. You know, they aren't constantly doing the day to day bombings that it was happening. We're trying to get them to the table to negotiate. We believe in a two state solution. There should be an Israel. There should be a Palestine. We need to get both parties to the table to negotiate this settlement and get us back on track to creating peace in the Middle East. In regard to the Ukraine, we need to keep putting more money behind Ukraine, supporting democracy, something we've actually done throughout, you know, since the post Second World War era, where we support democracies, not support dictatorships. And damn sure don't support Russia of all places. But we're going to keep building on that and bringing more money into this situation and building on our NATO alliances, which is why Sweden just actually almost is one step closer to being part of NATO now. 
Now, in regards to whatever cockamamie scheme that Rush somehow believes that the United States has pulled where we are controlling Russia's military, that is an amazing situation. That is quite, yeah, I haven't seen a, a fall that hard since Gerald Ford said there was no problem with uh, Eastern Europe being- Hey, we, we laid down okay, the groundwork when we guys, kept guys, moving guys, NATO. Guys, we're, we're out of time. Uh, I see you guys are both very passionate about these issues, so it means I just have to have you back so we can continue this ah, conversation. Sure. <laughs> Thank you so much. The next voice that you hear will be Robert Anderson, the Raw Report, right here on KBLA. KBLA, Talk 1580. Don't touch that dial.